Amru Bagmara. Gemara says in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, En Danim et Adam, Ela Lefi Maasav Shel Otasha'a. When they judge a person on Rosh Hashanah, they only judge him according to his actions of that time. Exactly. What does that mean? It means you're being judged for the way you are exactly at that moment. This is unlike other judgments that you are familiar with. Usually judgments are for things that you did in the past. They come and they judge you looking over your records to see if you did something wrong. It should have been a question to every person why the day of judgment is on the first day of the year. The day of judgment should be at the end of the year when they give you tests in school to judge if you learned anything, when they give out report cards to see how you succeeded or failed, they don't do it at the beginning of the year. They do it at the end of the year. So it should have been bothersome. It's almost the same. Yeah, almost. Almost. You know, you know the almost. That's the almost theorist. I'm almost good. I'm almost Shomer Shabbat. You know the almost? Almost. I'm almost honest. You got to be careful of the almost people. The very dangerous people. The almost is, a, is an American thing. It's a real American thing. Almost. You know, as long as you're almost, you're good. Right? If... Like I told you, in baseball, if you strike out seven times and you get three out of ten, you're a Hall of Fame. Understand? So you're good. People live life that when they say they're honest, they don't really mean they're honest. They mean they're almost honest. More or less. It means they're generally honest. Unless they have to lie. This is the way people are. It's not, not an exaggeration. People judge themselves with an almost mentality. But in the world of wisdom, in the world of wisdom, there's no such thing as almost. Everything has chokhmah. The creator of the world doesn't do anything without wisdom. So it's true that it's only one day off, the end or the beginning. It's just a day. So in the scope of time, it's not a big difference. But in the scope of wisdom, if you want to understand then you have to have a big question on the creator of the world that he made the day of court at the beginning of the year when he should have made it at the end of the year. Even though we're not, we're not asking a time question, like, oh, wow, you waited so long. It's not the question. The question is the choosing of the first day as opposed to the last day. Obviously, choosing the last day of the year 
would have been the most logical reason. Now again, the question we're asking is not, is not so we can ask questions. When we ask questions in Gemara, in Torah, in any area of wisdom, the point of the question is because we realize there's something deeper that maybe we're not seeing. So this would be an example of that, right? It's not so much that we're saying, why not wait till tomorrow, or why did you wait till tomorrow? We're saying, what, what's behind making the day of judgment the day that we start? That's a, an important question. The, uh, the anniversary, the anniversary of this day of judgment is the first day of Adam Arishon's creation. And then, on that day, there was a judgment. Did you know that? The first day that Adam Arishon was created, there was a court case. The Torah says, yeah, before. Be no, on that day. Before he was created. Before he was created. It says in the Pasuk, Na'aseh Adam. Na'aseh, Hashem says, let us make men. What do you mean, let us make men? Who, who is he talking to? So the Midrash says that before Adam was created, there was a heavenly debate. There was a Bed-Din. Hashem was sitting on his throne and there was a Bed-Din. And they were judging Adam. You ever hear of a judgment before someone's even born? You ever hear of someone being judged on something he didn't yet do? That was the first judgment of Rosh Hashanah. It was judging someone who wasn't even created yet. It's a very weird type of court, you know? Court we're used to is a court that looks at your records and see what you've accomplished and asks you to defend yourself or speak up about what you did or didn't do. That's, a, that's how court works. Every court in the world operates that way. And therefore, it's no shock that when you go into Rosh Hashanah, you're imagining that when they summon you to court, you're imagining every court case that goes on in the world, which is a court case about your, your past. They're going to ask you about uh, what, what, what were you doing last month? What happened in that time they did? That's what we automatically think. Why wouldn't we think that? If we're going to court... That's what court is. Court is looking into your past records. But in reality, the first court case of Rosh Hashanah, which is the anniversary that happens every year, that replays itself, was not about the past. It was about, actually, the future. That's why the Gemara says, En dani meta adam. They're not judging a person on his past. They're judging you based on who you are now. Says the Mishnah. 
Amar bi Akiva. Very famous words. They even made a song of these words. Amar bi Akiva. Bi Akiva says, Ashrechem Yisrael. Fortunate are you, Yisrael? Why are we so fortunate? Lifne mi atem mitaharin. Look who you are becoming pure in front of. Meaning, look, mi metaher etchem. Look who is purifying you. Mi metaher etchem. Who is purifying us? First of all, first of all, you should know that the word tahor means tahor, pure. When it comes to teshuvah, a person who makes teshuvah, I wouldn't say that he went through the process of purification. I wouldn't say that. I would say he went through the process of forgiveness. I mean, if I do something wrong to you, and you forgive me, that doesn't purify me. You forgave me. But here, the teshuvah is being termed as metaher. Not who is forgiving you, who is purifying you. Why is the word tahor being used on a person who makes teshuvah? You should say he's forgiven. You did something wrong. I forgive you. The word tahor, you did something wrong to me, so I purify you. What does that mean? It doesn't make sense. We don't use that kind of word for forgiveness. We don't purify people. We forgive them. We say, whatever you did wrong, scratch. I erase it. But that word, where does it come from? That teshuvah is a process of tahara. Where does it come from? It's a pasuk in the Torah. We say it on Yom Kippur a few times. Mikol hatotechem. From all your sins. Lifne Adonai. In front of Hashem. Titharu. You become pure. Doesn't say you get forgiven. Very interesting. What's the terminology of purifying someone who made teshuvah? So the answer, before we even go on, is that when a person sins, they're actually doing two things wrong. Two things are happening when we do something against the will of the Creator. One is the fact that we didn't listen to Him. That's already wrong. Even if what he told us is meaningless, the fact that he told us to do it and we didn't listen, that is considered a complete disrespect of the Creator. And for that already, there's an X. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what the adjective. You could say, what's the big deal? What did I do already? It doesn't matter. Not important. If the Creator told you to do something or not to do it and you don't listen, you are already guilty of not listening to the Creator. It doesn't matter what the issue was. 
it doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how small, it doesn't matter if you like it or you don't like it, it doesn't make a difference in the scope of the item itself, it doesn't make a difference. Bottom line, the creator of the world told you to do something, you don't do it. You're guilty for not listening. Follow? Now, for that, for that, if you want forgiveness for that, what do you do? If, if you don't, if someone does something to you, doesn't listen to you, so they disrespected you. So what's the forgiveness process? They come to the person and say, listen, I'm sorry. So now, <clears throat> the process of forgiveness in such a situation, someone offends you, very offensive. If you're the creator of the world and you gave everything to this person, you gave him life, you gave him everything he has, and then you say, listen, I want you to do this. And you say, no, I'm not doing it. That's very, very disrespectful. So how do you clear the air in that situation? You go to the one that you disrespected and you say, listen, I'm sorry. You have to be obviously, you have to be sincere. If you're sincere and you're sorry and you say, listen, I really feel bad about it. I'm not doing that again. Please forgive me. I know I, I take responsibility. I did the wrong thing. I was, I was wrong. I should have been smarter. I should have been better. I'm really sorry. I feel terrible that I disrespected you. Good. What happens? Now, many people, if you ask them for forgiveness, even then they won't forgive you. Some people are so stubborn, they won't forgive you. No, you offended me. You hurt me. Done. I'm done with you. But the creator of the world is not like that. He says, you know what? I forgive you. Good. But you have to know that sin, any sin, has something more than not listening to Hashem. Sin itself is a negative Influence on the person. I'll give you a mashal. Give you an example. Person goes to the doctor. Doctor says, listen to me. You got a problem. You could take care of it, but you got a problem. He says, you're not allowed to eat tomatoes. No tomatoes. No tomato sauce. No marinara. Pasta, no tomatoes. Not, no tomatoes. The day you eat tomatoes, you're going to the ER and you're going to die. Just telling you, if you don't eat tomatoes, you'll be fine. Just stay away from them. Good? Yeah, okay. It's not such great news. Now you can't have tomatoes. A lot of foods. You have to be careful not to eat. And of course, you're doing it very well. You're doing it religiously. You know it's dangerous. You want to live. One day you're sitting in lunch with your friends and they're all having a good time and they can't stop talking about the pizza. They're going crazy. They got it with extra sauce. They go imagine each one. Pizza, my goodness, the pizza. Pizza like this we never had in our life. The greatest pizza ever. 
And this guy is sitting there. You know how it is. He's going crazy. Especially if you can't have it, you really want it. He's going crazy. You know what? Without anyone looking, his wife's not looking. Nobody knows. Takes a slice. Eats it. Olam The guy feels like he just went to a new, a new world. He's about to say, Berkat Amazon. All of a sudden, on the floor. He's out. Dead. Almost dead. They rush him to the ER. The doctor comes rushing to the ER to see what happened with the guy. He looks at him. He says, did you eat tomatoes? Doctor, please forgive me. I didn't listen to you. Forgive me, please. It's my bad. Could you please forgive me? I know you had the right words, the right intentions, and I messed up. Doctor says, listen, I forgive you. Okay, so I can get out now? Can't get out. No, you can't get out. But you forgave me. Why can't you get out? Because tomatoes are bad for you. And tomatoes kill you. And no forgiveness in the world is going to undo that you ate poison. Can't help you. You have to know that sin has two aspects. It has the aspect of you went against the word of the Creator. That could be forgiven. God could say, I forgive you. But the fact that the sin itself is destructive to your life and to your soul... That's a reality. No forgiveness in the world can take away the damage that you did to yourself. There's nothing to do. You follow? That's why Teshuvah is called a miracle. Azal tell us that Teshuvah was created right before the end of the end of the creation. Because it's a miraculous creation. What's, what's miraculous about Teshuvah? We see people forgiving each other all day long. No, the forgiveness part, that's not miraculous. That could happen in the nature of this world where people forgive what you did wrong to them. But you can't undo damage that you did to yourself. That's not possible. You can't undo the tomato sauce that you ate. It's over. You're done. Yay, poison. I can't undo it. But the miracle of Teshuvah is that, that not only does Hashem forgive the person for going against his words, but he actually purifies him from anything wrong that he did. That only the Creator can do. That's a miraculous thing. The guy is all full of Tum'ah. From his actions, from his eyes, from his words, from the way he lives his life. He's full of Tumah. And the process of Teshuvah can make the person pure. So Teshuvah is more than, it's more than forgiveness. Teshuvah is a process of purification. That's why it says in the Pasuk, 
the, prof, the, the process of Teshuvah makes you pure, which means it takes away all the garbage that is poisoning your soul. Good. So the Mishnah says, Mi So who purifies you? By the way, by the way, for the record, we all feel the lack of purity. We all feel the lack of tahara. You might say, where is it? Where is this tum'ah that I have? Where is it? So I'm going to tell you a very simple rule. The rule is, and you may disagree with it, and you're right to disagree with it, but the rule is that all unhappiness in life comes from tum'ah. Tum'ah is a feeling of down, is a feeling of empty, it's a feeling of not satisfied, it's a feeling of bitter, it's a feeling that isn't pleasant. Tahara, purity, purity is sameah, purity is happy, purity is satisfied. Perfect example of that just in case you're wondering, a perfect example of the simha and of purity is the happiness of a little child. A little child in reality has very little to look forward to because in his mind, he's not even capable of looking forward to anything. A little child has no independence, doesn't know what's going to happen at the next moment. For us to be happy, we look forward to things. We look forward to making money. We get excited. We look forward to eat. We get happy. We look forward to vacation. We get excited. We look forward to a party. We look forward to getting married or our children getting married. We look forward to go and see people. We like to go. We, li- we look forward to learn. We like to learn. So if you look at a person... What makes a person happy in this world? What brings us excitement and energy? Is we look forward to things that we're enjoying to do. Imagine you take a person who has nothing to look forward to. He's sitting in four by four prison. No one to talk to. Nothing to eat. Nowhere to go. The guy is depressed. So how do you explain a little child who has nothing to look forward to. Nothing. He doesn't even know what he could look forward to. He's not mature mind-wise. So, how does he have simha? The natural state of a child is happiness. Unless he needs something. If he's hungry, Hashem gave him the tools to ask. If something is bothering him, he'll say something. But otherwise, a child is very happy. He could sit in his crib and just move toys around and he's very happy. Where does that happiness come from? The happiness of a little child comes from their purity. Because they're pure. They have no sins. They have no tum'ah yet. Not to their credit, but that's the reality. As they get older and they start talking Lashonara and they start putting people down and they start looking at the wrong things and they start saying the wrong things 
and they start getting involved with the wrong things, all of a sudden, their neshama becomes soiled with tum'ah. And that makes them no longer full of simha. Until you get to a teenager. Teenager, look at the average teenager. He's a depressed soul. Doesn't want to wake up in the morning. Most teenagers don't want to wake up till 2 or 3 o'clock. Why? How come? Because they're in such pain that sleeping feels much better than being up. They enjoy not being up. Why? What happened to them? Where was that pure, happy, six-month-old? What happened to him? Where'd he go? Answer is, the difference between a six-month-old or 16-year-old is that the tum'ah of sin has become part of his neshama and weighs down his soul and he makes him not sameah. You have to know that what makes a person unhappy in this world, I know you might disagree. I know you might say no. It's no. When I'm unhappy, it's not because of sin. What are you talking about? I'm unhappy because I lost money in the stock market. I'm unhappy because I wanted something to happen. It didn't happen. What are you talking about? I'm telling you that the only cause for unhappiness in this world is sin. And if you tell me it's because I don't have something, I can show you and prove you wrong because I'll show you a billion people who don't have what you want and yet they're happy. That means it's not the thing that you're missing that's making you unhappy. Don't tell me because I didn't get that. You know why I'm not happy? Because I didn't get the house I wanted to buy. Well, guess what? Most people don't have that house and they can find happiness. Happiness has nothing to do with what you're lacking in life. Happiness has to do or lack of has to do with sin. When a person is metameh, his neshama, it brings a certain weight of lack of satisfaction and there's a certain ruah of unhappiness. Now, in order for there to be free choice, what does Hashem do? He gives you things to point your unhappiness to. For example, you needed something, you didn't get it. So you say, you know why I'm unhappy? I didn't get that. You, come on, you experience that sometimes with your own kids or with your other people around you. You know those people are never happy? And they always have a reason. The reason why I'm not happy today because I don't like my job. Tomorrow I'm not happy because I broke up with the girl I wanted to marry. The next day I'm not happy because my friends are really rotten. The next day I'm not happy because my parents really are very, very difficult. The next day I'm not... Every day you could have something else. It's the story of the kid's life. What, what's the real... What's the Rashi over here? What's behind all of that? What's going on? What's going on is that the real reason of unhappiness is that you're not accomplishing and you're not pure. Now, if everybody recognizes that the reason why they are unhappy is because they're not pure, so then there'll be no free choice. Everyone will become pure. So what does Hashem do to make free choice? He'll always give you some excuse as to why you're not happy. If your mother was normal, you'd be happy. 
If your father would give you more money, you'd be happy. If I have more business, I'd be happy. If the interest rates went down, I'd be much happier. You know how many people think that? And the reason why they're happy is because of the interest rate. So they have big problems. This is the story of people's lives. They just go from one thing to another, another. I never saw an unhappy guy next day says, you know what? Now I'm happy. It's always on to another item. He's happy with one thing, then all of a sudden, something else hits. The interest rates go down, something else goes wrong. It's always something. In this world, there's always something. And the proof that it's not that something, again, the proof that it's not that, because I can bring you many, many, many people that have the same issue and are happy. That means that item doesn't cause unhappiness. If it did, why is that guy happy with the same problem that you? That's a proof. That's not what it is. Unhappiness comes. Remember, unhappiness in this world or a lack of satisfaction comes from tum'ah. Tum'ah means it's the soil of sin. Sin is not just you didn't listen to what God said. That's not only what it is. It is poison to the soul. As the soul gets poison, 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 it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. It feels dirty. It feels unsatisfied. It feels all these terrible feelings. So that's why Hashem says on Teshuvah, not only do I forgive you, I took care of that problem, I forgive you. But wait, but you're still, you're dirty. You're dirty. That's why I told you once, according to the Kabbalah, Hashem takes on different names in different things that he's involved in. What is his name when it comes to purifying someone when he makes Teshuvah? What, has, what, is, what name does Hashem take? He takes the name of Ima. Hashem is an Ima. When Hashem is dealing with you, when you come in front of Hashem and you want to make Teshuvah, what, 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 uh, what uh, jacket is he wearing? The jacket of an Ima. Why an Ima? What's Ima? The Ima is a woman that you see a guy in the street and he's rolling around in the most horrible, smelling, disgusting, dirty. People can't even stay within 200 feet of the guy. It's so, it's so smelly. He looks horrible. It's, everybody's running away. You see a guy in the street who's not only dirty, but he's disgusting. He's smelly. He's nauseous. What's everybody doing? Everyone is running the other way. He's running that way. He's running that way. Everyone is kishing who wants to be close to the guy. And all of a sudden you see a woman running towards him and getting close to him and start to clean him. You don't have to ask any questions. You know who that is. That's his mother. A mother 
is willing to go in the dirt, in the garbage, in the smell, and clean her child from all the disgusting things on him. That is Hashem when he is an ima. Ima during teshuvah. He takes our neshama. Elohai neshama shenatata bitehora. We come into this world. Tahor, pure. Look next time, look at a three month old. Look at a six month old. How much do you love a six month old? Everyone sees a baby. Ah, so cute. I once told you. There's really nothing cute about a baby. Nothing. Nothing. The attributes of a baby is very far from cute. If a person would walk in right now with the attributes, right now, if a 40-year-old would walk in right now and he has all the attributes of a baby, this room would empty out in three seconds. What would he look like? He'd have no teeth. He'd be drooling. He has no hair. He has diapers on. He smells. He can't talk. He can't walk. Right? You understand? Baby has no teeth. Imagine a guy walks in, no teeth, no hair, drooling, smells. Would anyone say, oh, wow. Yeah, and he's crawling in. Oh, wow, so cute. Abus. The cute guy. Would you say Abus? This guy, so, I don't know why he's so Abus. I don't... You, would, you would run for the hills. You'd be like nauseous from the guy. But yet, the baby, Hashem made it on purpose, by the way. Hashem made the baby for a reason that way. He made the baby with attributes that are all, what we would say, not pleasant. All of them. And yet, yet, you look at him. Abu is so cute. I feel so connected to this kid. I love him. I want to be close to him. Why? You don't think Hashem could have made babies more beautiful in their attributes? You don't think he could have made them with full teeth, nice, nice smile, give them a full head of hair. Why not? He did it so he could teach you something. That you know why you love this kid? You know why you love him? Because he's pure. He's pure. When someone's pure, not only is he Sameach, but when people are around him, they love him. The innocence is attractive. The innocence is beautiful. As he starts to become more and more unpure, then you start to, by the time he hits 40 years old, you hate the guy. You don't want anything to do with him. Look at him. He looks, oh, get out of my face. I want to see him. That's how it is. That is the way it is. Elohai neshama shenatata bitehora. We have a beautiful neshama. We came into this world, every one of us, with a gorgeous neshama. A neshama that was enjoying and attractive, gorgeous. But the tum'ah of sin, one after the other, has weighed our neshama down. And we find ourselves today not in a good place. But the good news is that the word teshuvah, teshuvah is not just forgiveness. Teshuvah is purity. Mi metaher etchem. Hashem purifies us, which means that we're capable in turning our neshama into the pure neshama that we had when we came into this world. 
we're able to go back to the snow white neshama that he gave us. How long does that take? Look at the pasuk. It says, Vezarakti alechem ma'im tehorim utartem. Hashem says, I'm going to sprinkle on you clean water, pure water, and you will be tahor. Who's doing the cleansing? Only God could do the cleansing. Because it's miraculous. It's not a normal nature. Hashem said, I'm going to sprinkle on you water and you will become pure. That's one pasuk. Ve'omer, says the Mishnah, and it's another pasuk. Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. Hashem is like the mikveh of the Jewish people. Mikveh, you go in, come out. Pure, you come in, come out, out. Why do they bring two pesukim? One is sprinkling. Hashem sprinkles water and you become tahor. And why one? He's a mikveh. What's the difference? He's sprinkling the mikveh. The sprinkling process, just to make you familiar, is when a person is tameh met. They got, were in contact with a dead body. They become tameh. Like all of us are tameh. The only way to become pure from a tameh met, a mikveh won't help you. You have to go through the sprinkling of the ashes of the para aduma, the red heifer, the red cow, they take the ashes, they put it in water, and they sprinkle. They sprinkle on day two, on day seven, it's a process. After they finish, then you become tahor. So here, it's describing Hashem purifying us in two ways. One is, He sprinkles on us, and one is, is like a mikveh. Why two examples? Because there are two types of teshuvah. There's a teshuvah where a person changes literally in one moment. In one moment, he decides, and people have done this, in one moment he decides, I'm done. I am going to change my life. I'm done. I am convinced I am going to make a full change to my life right now. That's a mikveh. Because a mikveh, how long it takes for the mikveh to do the job? One second. You go in. You go out. Tahor. It's another kind of teshuvah where it's a process. Sprinkle, come back, sprinkle again. That's a teshuvah that is not as great not as good, not purifying the person quickly. It's the, the step, the one step at a time. One step, one step at a time. That's Teshuvah. So yes, uh, you asked me, can a person, is a, is a person automatically the product of everything that he did? Not necessarily. A person can make Teshuvah for everything. You can make Teshuvah right now. And you could come in at that moment a totally different person than who you were for the last 60 years. You're a different human being because you jumped into the mikveh. For that, you need to make a full teshuvah. You need to take upon yourself a full new attitude of life. It's not impossible. It's very possible. It may not be so easy, but it's very doable. And there have been many people in our history, who made Teshuvah on the spot. What are they at that minute? What are they? They're not the product of their past. They are a completely new 
person. So you ask me, isn't the person a product of everything he's done? Not necessarily. Teshuvah is a process of cleansing. A person with real teshuvah, full teshuvah, is a new human being. So a person can come in Rosh Hashanah, lefi sha'ah, at that moment that you're being judged. Yeah, you could be very different than the person you've been the last year or the last 50 years. Okay, we'll continue this tomorrow. Have a good day.